Hi, this is Matthias from FI Europe and it's Community Friday. I talk with a member of our community, his name is Tobias and he calls himself a lazy investor. He is an Austrian who lived in Germany and now lives in Switzerland. So we talk about how he works towards FI in these high-cost countries and how the pension systems work there. We also talk about his favorite investment strategies and tools. Have fun and let me know what you think in our blog and Facebook community that you can find at financial-independence.eu slash community. See you! Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your host, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. So, welcome to another episode of the FI Europe podcast. Today we have Community Friday, and what is really good for the Community Friday is that we have actually a member of the community in our show. And so, well, say welcome to Tobias. Hi, Tobias. Hi, Matthias. Thanks for having me. You're, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> What's topic today is that we go through your life story a little bit and we try to learn from what you do and focus is um, that you kind of living in the three of the most expensive countries of Europe or you have lived with them and currently living in Switzerland. Could you do a little intro about you? Sure. I grew up in a rural part of Austria in the mountains where basically there's one skiing resort five minutes in every direction that you drive. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 14, I had to move out from home, basically, because I wanted to get some higher education. Mm -hmm. I did that in Innsbruck, which is a city in the western part of Austria. I did my engineer title there. And then I moved to the US, where I did parts of my bachelor. Uh, other part of my bachelor I did again in Austria. And then after that, I did three masters in management, which is a lot. Maybe too much, I don't know. And it really sounds like uh, a lot of studying, but I would say I'm a really down-to-earth guy. And one big thing I took away from my studies is that in order to be smart, you don't have to study. And in order to study, you don't have to be smart. I've seen that from a lot of colleagues that I had in my during my studies. Interesting. So you studied a lot, but recognized that's kind of not really necessary. I think... It might be necessary in, in, in Germany because they really like seeing titles. Oh, in Switzerland as well. So don't get me wrong. It's, it's a really good door opener mm -hmm. if you, if you want to get a job. But if you already know that you want to be an entrepreneur, for example, I don't think it's really necessary. Not really. Um, yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs haven't studied. They just learned what they need to build their business. And what's your life situation? How old are you? Do you have kids, wife, uh, another man? <laughs> what's your <laughs> life situation? So, yeah, I, I recently turned 30. Mm -hmm. and Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I still feel like a teenager sometimes, but I, I try to be responsible. And, yeah, I have a girlfriend. Uh, we live together here in Switzerland, and we currently have three cats. Uh, oh, two of them were planned. One we found on the street and adopted because it was so cute. Mm. And yeah, at some point in the future, we want to move to Australia and spend our uh, kind of retirement there. <laughs> Why Australia? For us, Australia is really a magical place. We've been there three times now already mm -hmm. together. And Australia somehow incorporates 
everything of other continents that I've ever seen. And the people are there are really open and just the right kind of laid back for me. So it's not as, as much chaos as in Spain or Portugal. There's still some organization there. Uh, also, the people speak English, which is really nice for me. <laughs> and yeah, I got to meet a few great people down there already. I, I have seen some organization also in, in Portugal and in and, and, and Spain, um, but maybe it's it's more. So you're not afraid um, of spiders, I would no. say. Okay, no, no. that's good. That's good. <laughs> so where are you in your uh, FI journey um, right now? Are you um, 90% FI or what are you doing right now to, uh, not what are you doing right now to get FI, but where are you in general? So it really depends on where I spend the next few years in my life, to be honest, because I could already now move to really low cost of living country like South America. Mm -hmm. and live there off of my income that I get from P2P or invoice uh, financing. Mm -hmm. But since our plan is to move to Australia, I think I'm about halfway there currently. What is really interesting is that I only got to know the concept of FI or FIRE this spring, so spring yeah. of 2019. Mm -hmm. But I've done a lot of the concepts that FIRE or also frugality incorporate already all my life so i really looked into my uh, to save a lot of money and to not spend uselessly and i think that really helped me in, in getting where i am today yeah many people already started being uh, starting their journey to fi without knowing that there's a concept behind us i also um, started much earlier so yeah really interesting that you're doing that and that you're already 50 percent in your early 30s um, that's really good. Where, where, where's your money exactly coming from right now? Or where did you, how did you manage to um, build like 50% of, of the money that's needed? Back in the day, everything came from saving and mm -hmm. from income from my job, basically. And then uh, since a few years, there's a part that is growing, which is invoice factoring, um, stocks, crypto, which I don't really do anymore, to be honest. And uh, what I picked up recently and what is uh, really going great for me is also peer-to-peer -peer lending. Okay, so um, it's, not it's kind of investments, but not really businesses you are involved uh, into. Or just, I mean, it has been your employ employee work um, yes. where you saved a lot of money. And exactly. then you have some investments uh, on site. Yeah, the, the problem or the good thing is that I'm really lazy. So I've always been looking for stuff to do where i can throw my money at and just get a good return yeah i think that's what we are all uh, aiming for <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you you're living in three of the most or you lived in three of the most expensive countries of europe like you started in austria where you've been born and then you moved to germany and then now switzerland so why did you move to to germany what was the reason for it why haven't you stayed in in austria After my bachelor's degree, I was looking for a master's degree that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I've looked into the Financial Times ranking because I wanted to do not only a good master, but a great master that is uh, rec widely recognized. So there was number one at that point in time, the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. And mm -hmm. I went to the, to the day of open doors, basically. But there was, it seemed, mostly rich kids and rich families there. 
So it didn't feel like I belonged there, even if it would only have been for one and a half or two years. Then I looked a little bit further down the list and I came to a university in France. Problem was, I didn't speak any French. <laughs> so, and <laughs> uh, I could st help. still don't really. But uh, I found the triple master in management there that they offered in English. And the first year of studies was in France. And in the second year of studies, you could decide between three different universities. One was in Germany, in Munich. And I chose to go to Munich because there was the strategy and finance uh, specialization, which I did. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed there, worked for BMW and Allianz. And then uh, because of my ex-girlfriend, I moved to Switzerland. Ah, that's why. So you just worked during your studies in Germany for these bigger companies. I've seen that you also in, worked in the innovation part of the Allianz, is true? Yes, that's correct. So I started off at BMW as an internship from my studies because we all had to do an internship. And then they, how do you say, made me a real job offer, which I took. And it was already in the innovation department. The problem is innovation in the car industry is really, really slow. So it takes about eight years until something that you decide today is going to be in a car will also be in the car. And that process is really slow. And That's a long time. Yeah. I'm not sure if Elon Musk would allow that in his company. <laughs> Probably not. So then I moved to the colleagues of Allianz. It was the digital accelerator at that time. Now it's called Allianz X. And there I, I basically had a lot of freedom to try out ideas that I had. So I made landing pages, uh, put some Google traffic on it, and then validated ideas. And then we started companies from that. It was really interesting. Very good. That's really good. So, so lean, lean startup methods, prototyping, validating ideas, um, the whole thing. Exactly. Was on Vogue a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Which is still still on work, but now I think they they are you. The movement is now that you have or you also have to build things again. So like the real prototype without just having a landing page. Yeah, I've heard. Not sure. And then you moved to Switzerland. Why have you moved to Switzerland? Because of your ex girlfriend you already mentioned. Yes, and exactly. Now, she now said she 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 doesn't like Germans. She was, she was French. <laughs> ah. And then uh, we decided basically for a neutral ground, which is Switzerland. And there I've worked for uh, one of the big four consulting companies. Mm -hmm. And then now I moved to a telco provider. Um, so it seems that you're not going to stay long for, for, with the company. <laughs> well, you don't have to. And what's the biggest pain of, of moving um, between all these countries? Um, are you feeling... Uh, home now in in switzerland or i mean you mentioned you want to go to australia so basically maybe not but what's the biggest pain of 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 moving and would you recommend other people uh moving that often or not i think i've gained a lot of experience and made a lot of great people due to moving around a lot mm -hmm. and it really depends on on your personality because there's a lot of people that don't really like to to go away from their home or try out new things and For me, it's always that I kind of have to try out new things because otherwise I get bored. I mean, mm. you can already see it from my long employment uh, history, even though I'm quite young. <laughs> I do feel at home in Switzerland because 
I understand Swiss German. I can also speak it okay enough, at least, because where I come from in Austria, our di dialect is a little bit similar. Mm -hmm. So the integration part was quite easy. What was quite annoying about uh, moving between the countries is that I have now uh, a lot of different pension accounts. And yes. it's really hard to move the, the pension accounts from Austria and Germany to Switzerland. So I, yeah. I tried that for a year, uh, filled out couple of forms and now I basically gave up <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i i trying to move everything now to to switzerland is it the best pension system in your opinion compared to austria and germany how, how can, could you com compare these pension schemes or systems and uh, why you decided for for switzerland if so i decided for switzerland uh, because i know most about it and i feel like i have the most control about it in, in Switzerland, you have uh, three different pillars for mm -hmm. retirement. One is the government aid, aided pension. It's mm -hmm. uh, also for people without jobs or people with a disability. Yeah. Then the second pillar is the occupational pension plan. So your employer pension plan, where part of your pension uh, you pay it and part of it is uh, an employment, employer contribution. And this varies really depending on your employer. And my current employer, I've been told, has a really, really good uh, pension plan for us. So I plan on staying there for a little while <laughs> <laughs> because I also enjoy it, of course. Uh, and the third pillar is private pension. That's where it uh, really gets interesting also. In 2019, you can pay, uh, if I remember correctly, 6,826 francs per year mm -hmm. into that pillar. And it then gets deducted from your taxable income. And oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Tax deductions are always good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Until recently, you could only let the money sit in kind of a savings account or in some really expensive banking product. But uh, since a while, there's a, a new player on the market. It's called Vayak. And you can put your money into a portfolio of your choosing. So it starts, you can either go into a standard savings account and it can go up to a 97% stocks portfolio and the stock portfolio you can even design yourself or just take the pre-made one that they have for you and what's really cool about it is that there's a total expense ratio of only uh, 0.53 percent per year and i think that's a that's a really good uh, pension ratio that's really good compared to um to other financial products uh, also here in germany where you have to pay a lot of fees to to put your money into it Although it's also improving here that you can also use ETFs and so on. Yeah. But you still have, um, I think you have also products where you have to pay 0.5 fees, but on top there are then the fees of the ETFs, they are also on top. Mm -hmm. are, they, are they also on top, the ETF fees on uh, on top of this 0.5 or no. is it included? Uh, it's included. When you're old and you need to withdraw the money from from all these three pillars um how would you do that is a is a third pillar especially is a text um then in the end because now you're not getting taxed on on this uh, income but are you then being taxed later yeah so in in switzerland you're always taxed on your uh, yearly income and mm -hmm. that would then add to the income you get when you're retired basically and What is a little bit special about the Pillar 3A is that you can only withdraw the whole account at a time. So taxes-wise, it makes sense that you have a few different 3A accounts going. 
So what you want to do is draw each account at a separate in a separate year to not get taxed too much. So you can you can withdraw some money, but not everything at the time. So if you would withdraw a little bit or get get a payout um, of a certain amount per year, then it's tax free. But if you want to get everything out in in in, a, in one time in, in one batch, then it's taxed. Yes, True? exactly. So that's okay. So if you and there are certain wanna... thresholds, I, I don't know them exactly, but basically, if you withdraw in in stages, it makes more sense because the the tax is also progressive. Meaning, the more you withdraw, the more you pay in taxes. Mm -hmm. And how how would you compare that to to Austria? Um, is it? Um, I mean, in Germany, we have also these uh, mm -hmm. three pillars: um, the governmental pension system called Rente in German. And then we have uh, for uh, for normal incomes, we have the Riester mm -hmm. Rente, which, uh, Riester pension system, which is for, for people who earn a little bit more, it's not really worth doing it. Then we have the Rürup, for, especially for freelancer, and the company pension system. But I've heard these, these products are all kind of expensive you get some some money also from the from the government especially for the low income ones but i think the the, the insurance companies they cannot pay for these uh, company pension systems anymore mm -hmm. it's written in their in their financial statements that not they are not able to to really pay uh, pay out to to the people and that's why that's a problem because the the the, the companies are um, responsible for for that. So if the insurer cannot pay out um, the, the the contract to to the um, to the em earlier employees, then the company has to do that. So that's really um, it's interesting to see how that. It's a really financial a financial burden on the company. Yes. So uh, I would. So I was in a tax workshop recently, and they recommended to to. Um, to company owners to move them to new contracts of uh, financial stable uh, insurance companies, but it's it's impressive how many um, have these how many insurers have these problems. So um, interesting to see. So you you cannot emphasize enough that you have to take care of the of your pension uh, yourself, or at least you cannot rely really on it. I mean that's. That's for sure, I would say. Um, how would you compare it to Austria? Is there a major difference compared to Switzerland? Uh, yeah, I think there's there is a difference. So in Austria, there's uh, a state pension system, which basically is, for me at least, the way I understand it, a mixture between the pillar one and two in Switzerland, and it's a mm -hmm. a big fund that pays for others that currently receive a pension. So basically, if you mm -hmm. work today, you pay the pension of the people that are retired right now and yeah. in switzerland you only do that for for people that live below a certain threshold and otherwise you make the com contributions only for yourself so really self-sufficient and ah. yeah and in austria so basically you have this mandatory pension insurance and then you can get additional pension insurance that can be compared to the pillar three in switzerland but You can only have it with an insurance company. So mm -hmm. my guess is that it's probably an expensive insurance. 
Mm. In Germany, it's it's um, also there that you you pay for you right now pay the pension, the governmental pension for the uh, older generations. Mm -hmm. And as there are few uh, fewer kids and uh, fewer younger people, you can see that you will not get uh, as much as money as as the people are getting who are old now. And um, that's why you, I would say you can't rely on this because also if um, th there's not enough um, money um, in the government to uh, compensate for yeah. it. Yeah. And okay. And in Germany is also that you have to go with the insurance company um, for the additional pension. So um, I would say Austria and Germany are quite similar. And um, yeah, so mm -hmm. Switzerland, I think there's more opportunity because you can get uh, the money tax-free, really tax-free and you don't. It's uh, self-sufficient, as you mentioned, um, that you don't have to pay for the older generation, but pay more for yourself. Yeah. So I, I think that that's really the advantage in Switzerland, that you have the most control over how your money is managed. All right. So and you're now living and now we learned about these pension systems. But many people think that if you move to Switzerland, it's very expensive. So you earn a lot, but you have also a lot of costs. Do you think it's it's still worth it? How you how do you reduce your costs and how much can you save? In general, yes, Switzerland is really expensive, but I can think there's I think there's some smart moves you can make in order to save some money. So if I compare groceries from Switzerland to to the part of Austria where I used to live and I still go there sometimes, the prices are not that different. Except for meat, meat is really expensive in Switzerland. But what you can do to save money is don't live directly in the city, because if you live, for example, in Zurich, it's, it's hardcore expensive. We live uh, between Zurich and Basel, and we have an we have a four and a half room apartment which we pay one thousand a month for, which is really really cheap compared to other Swiss cities. When it comes to to our living arrangements, we're really in luck because We live basically in a cooperative that is made by SBB, which is the Swiss Federal Railway Organization. And my girlfriend's dad uh, works for them. And so we got an apartment like this, which is really great. Also, we can save on transportation. So for everybody I would that doesn't need a car, I would also recommend not to get a car and just get a subscription to the SPP to the SPP yes <laughs> and you can get for example a half off card which only costs 130 francs a year which is nice but uh, currently we're also here really in luck my girlfriend is a is a salesperson and she got a car from her company that we can use also in our private life and we don't have to pay for fuel so we save a lot of money and That's awesome. Since Switzerland is also kind of small, and if you don't live really in the center, it's easy to go to Germany, for example, to buy some groceries. So once every week we go to Germany and we buy our cat food and we also buy food in bulk for ourselves. And then we can even get the 19% tax back from Germany. And if it's below 300 francs, we don't have to pay taxes here once we bring the stuff across the border 
that's really good. Many people uh, who are living at the border are doing it. Um, I also am sometimes in south of Germany. I see many people from Switzerland um, <laughs> yes. at Aldi, at Lidl. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, you, you should not go uh, shopping on Saturday because it's uh, crowded by That's true. Uh, Swiss it's people. It's total chaos and anarchy. We, we've, we've been to a little one on a Saturday and we, we just decided not to go there anymore. Okay. So really, um, you, you kind of discovered a lot of, um, safe eggs or maybe they came to you by accident. Uh, you could cut a cost by for, for car or for transportation for, uh, for a living and because of your location also for, for groceries. So yeah. pretty good. Um, so you don't have to work for longer. <laughs> um, so I, I can basically save 60% of my income easily. And uh, the really big advantage in Switzerland is obviously that you have a high income because stuff is expensive. That's really good. Um, would you recommend other people going to Switzerland, getting a job there? Is it possible? Um, do you have to live there or can you fly over during the week? What's the easiest way for them to, to go to Switzerland if they want to work there and earn a little bit more? Yeah, so if you're from an EU member state, it's quite easy to come here, actually. You just need a job and then you get a visa for five years. And after those five years, you can, you can change your visa from a B into a C, which allows you to settle here. What also a lot of people do is that they live, for example, at the border in the eastern part of France or southern part of Germany. And then they come here just for during the week or even only for the day. And so they basically get the best of both worlds. But what you always need to see is if your country needs to, where you need to pay the taxes, do you need to pay them in Switzerland or, for example, in France? I don't really know how that works. But I think if you live in Switzerland in a not that high cost city, you can save more. For people outside of the European Union, it's harder to come here as far as I know. And you, the process is, takes you longer, but it's also possible. And if you speak one of the, the Swiss languages, which are uh, Italian, French, or Swiss German slash German, uh, I think you can integrate yourself quite easily here. Plenty of opportunity. I mean, first you, you need to get a job. Yes. Um, of course. Um, so you have to have something to offer that they need. Maybe being in IT, obviously, or in, in pharma, uh, pharma. Yeah. Medicine. They have a big medicine industry or like you in the telecommunication uh, sector. So it might make sense to get a job first and then see, figure out if you can move there completely to a cheaper district there or you can like live at the border in france or germany or italy exactly all right so um maybe finish it up and have a quick look in some of your investment you mentioned that you have crypto um some strange invoicing stuff that i haven't got right yeah. now and um peer-to-peer -peer and some um some maybe also some etfs but well let's focus on some what what was the invoicing stuff you mentioned can you explain that? yeah so Let's say, for example, there is a, a company that does work for uh, Deutsche Telekom. Mm -hmm. And let's say it's 100K, the invoice. And what Deutsche Telekom would usually do is that they have a, a payment horizon of like, they pay you in two months after you give them the invoice. That's what big companies usually do. They try to pay you as late as possible. But you have to pay your employees, obviously. And you have to pay them this month and not next month. So what you can do as a company is you can do factoring. 
which means that you sell your invoice to a third party, which in this case could be me. And let's say I could uh, buy it for 90K. So I give you 90K, you can pay your employees and the rest, and I get the 100K from Deutsche Telekom, which basically gives me 10K. Are you using a platform or how, how are you getting these um, invoices and how are you assessing the risk then? Yeah, so you can assess the risk uh, basically with the name of the company already because there's some really well-known brands and them I mm -hmm. think you can trust that they pay their invoices. Yeah, I'm using Advanon in Switzerland and, and Groupier as a European investment platform for that. Ah, so it's it's kind of you use a P2P lending platform that is not only yeah. having payday loans or real estate uh, loans, but it's also just using uh, factoring. Exactly. And then it would be then a P2B pick... then in that case, yes. P2P, P2B. Yeah. And, and on Group here, you have also these B2B or P2B uh, factoring loans. Yes, exactly. Available. All right, so learn something. So we Thanks. make sure that we link that in the in the show notes. It sounds interesting. What kind of uh, profit do you make uh, normally by by factoring? So uh, it depends on the on the risk that you choose to have, of course. But I make mm -hmm. annually, I would say between ten and twenty percent. Why twenty? Do you do you get on group here? Do you get twenty percent? I'm not sure. No, on on Advenant though sometimes. Ah. <laughs> Ah, awesome. I have to check. Can you also use it as a, as a non-Switzerland citizen? Yeah, I think you can use it as a Swiss and German citizen because they also have some Euro loans on there. Oh, jackpot. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will look into it. Okay, then we, we link that in the show notes. And maybe for your crypto, what I found interesting when we earlier talked that you with crypto, you have um, not only the, um, you have three pillars of, of revenue you could make. Um, could you explain a bit what you uh, did earlier with, with your crypto, um, how you made your money from it? Sure. So in the beginning, I was basically only investing when Bitcoin went down a few thousand. I put some money in, sold it then later. And I also made uh, some good money with it, bought a small car with it. Like, actually, it's quite big. It was just cheap. <laughs> uh, but it took takes a lot of time to try and analyze the market and pre try and predict where it's going but and since i'm lazy i didn't really want to do that so it was basically pure luck for me so what i did is i installed a swing trading bot and you can basically tell it where to buy and sell and you make that a really small increment and as cryptocurrencies move up and down a lot you sell and buy a lot And even though it's a small increment, if you do that a few thousand times a day, you can make some money off of it. And a third thing that I did is I did staking. Staking mm -hmm. is where you basically have a node in the network. So you let mm -hmm. your computer or server run and there is transaction fees for every transaction. And those then get split up in the network to the different people there. And like this, you can also make some money. So, um, so the, the the money for the transaction, then part of it is is going to you because you are confirming that the tra transaction is valid in the network. Exactly. And what what was an advantage for me is that I had uh, solar power, 
And so the mm -hmm. electricity for running the server, the cost was basically zero for me. <laughs> okay. Um, that's even better, I would say. That's even better. I mean, of, of course, you could have also sold the, the, the solar energy you, you uh, produced for it. Yes, true. But uh, in, in Austria is where my server stands. And they, they recently cut back on, on what you get for putting electricity into the network. Ah, a pity. One thing I want to add just to the, to the P2P income. Yeah. The biggest platform that I use and that works also really well for me, which gives me currently 14% in return with a lot of diversification is Mintos. A lot of people know it probably, but still wanted yeah. to mention it. I think that's a major player um, everybody's kind of using. And they're really good because they have a lot of a lot of loans available there and you can really good manage your risk and so on. So it's a really good platform. I would also recommend. Yeah, we link everything you mentioned in the uh, show notes and uh, let's finish it up. And we just ask you, where can people find you online? Do you want to be fined? Um, <laughs> Or they can also reach out to us and we connect um, yes. if they want to reach out to you. Yeah, I think the best option right now is to to contact you guys and then you can put us in touch. We'll do so. And what is one resource not well known, like a book or a video or a course or whatever, and that you would recommend other people? Yeah, so there there's one podcast, if I can mention it. Mm -hmm. It's called Wissenschaft Geld. It's by... Mat Knowledge makes money. Exactly. It's, it's in German only, sadly, but... Mm. It's about how to put your money into the stock market in a smart way and make money long term without doing a lot. Also mm -hmm. gives you good education for if you're just starting out and also keeps you keeps you on that path. Awesome. Is there one actionable tip you for someone who just started on the path to FI that you could give? Yeah, don't get don't get too distracted and keep yourself around positive people. There's a lot of people that are saying, oh, no, doing investments is a scam. But I think just educate yourself, trust yourself and get started. All right. Well said. And thank you very much, Tobias. I uh, hope to see you again. And bye bye. Thanks, Matthias. See you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. 
All the mentioned articles, books, and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.